So can we pray together? Father, I want to thank you for this time. I want to thank you that we could worship you in many languages. Thank you that we can worship you just the way we are. That's the way you love us to come, just the way we are. And so as it's different this morning, I thank you that you are the same. You are the same yesterday, you're the same today, and you're going to be the same tomorrow. You are our rock. You're our foundation. And so we lean into you more and more. And so we come to your word this morning. I want to pray that you'd speak to every space and place in our hearts, our souls, our minds. We would be changed to become more like you. So guys, I bless you to receive all that Jesus has for you today. Everything. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's really great to be with you. And uh, yeah, picking up on several things. And thank you to Cindy. Thank you to Andrea, Bevan, other Cindy, Bevan, Cindy, and, uh, and to Rob. And then just a huge shout out to the Children's Church team who've been uh, doing so much for us, getting stuff done in, in the kids' space and that kind of thing. Just really, really amazing. Um, I've got a testimony, and it's just come through from Pierre, so I'll need to read it, but it says this. Um, Pierre says, I got a call from our company owner uh, to tell me that our customers, of which Pierre spends 95% of his working time, uh, working for them, had to put all work on hold for the next three months. And this would obviously impact their company significantly. Um, Pierre says, I hardly put down the phone and told Tanya when, uh, adopted through this church family, uh, Granny Mary Smith gave me a call to find out how we were doing as a family. And she ministered to me so much through this call and directed my heart, my thoughts, from the very first moment I got this tough news. Praise God for her sensitivity to the Spirit and for showing me that my Heavenly Father cares for me so much. So Pierre, you and your family, yeah, we're going to be thinking of you, and, and in all honesty, I want to just take some time and, and not just pray for you guys, but there's probably a whole bunch of us who are finding this, this time to be uh, intense, demanding, um, and potentially threatening. Let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for Pierre. We want to thank you for Tanya. We want to thank you for this whole family. And together, because we know they're not the only ones who who's struggling with this, who who facing shutdown, who facing pressure, who facing financial challenge. Lord, we, we know that there are so many around the world. This is a story among us. And we want to pray that you'd provide for them. Lord, we know there are others in our own congregation who are in the exact same space. We pray that you will enable us to be like uh, Mary in this story, to be there for one another, to redirect thoughts, hearts, and minds. And may no one be afraid of what we face, because not only is Jesus with us, but like salt, like light, like yeast worked into the dough, no one needs to be afraid because the followers of Jesus are among us. 
Lord Jesus, give us your heart, we pray. Give us your wisdom. Give us strategies. Give us insight and understanding. As Lord, we, we minister to all the peers of this world. In Jesus' name, amen. My own story is a little bit hectic. I was trying to come back from New Wine International and uh, found myself at Heathrow. Our flight was uh, cancelled and uh, ended up spending about 48 hours in transit about 10 days ago. And so uh, I've been in isolation, not because I'm sick, as you can see, I look absolutely amazing. But, uh, sorry, Cindy's laughing in the background. Um, but purely because it's for the sake of others, for the sake of those who uh, may be vulnerable. And, uh, and, and so just taking this time and it's been a little bit of learning um, as a year a little bit later, that doesn't mean that it hasn't been work. In fact, working from home, I'm learning very quickly, doesn't feel like work is in a relaxed space. The danger for those of us who are going to have to start working from home, will do so already, is that we lose something of the place of refuge that home is. Uh, because this becomes the space where we're supposed to be working all the time. And of course we're not. We're meant to pause. We are meant to stop. We are meant uh, to take a break. And so, uh, yeah, we do, yeah, just been a learning for me. Um, I'm well. I've got a few more days to go and then uh, we'll be social distancing instead of isolating. So uh, hopefully that's a step up for a moment or two. So we're going to return to our series, Walk As Jesus Did. Um, and the series is unpacking a theology and practice of discipleship. Thank you to Bev and I had the chance to look at uh, and listen to the message he did a couple of weeks ago, which just gave us an incredible historical context of just how much learning and journey Jesus put into the intentional work of um, first being discipled himself so that if he can do it in his humanity, so we too learn how to do it. And um, there's two main reasons why I've come back to this, this series. The first is it's what I'm carrying in my heart right now. And it's what the Lord is forming in my own space. It's always good to be talking from that place where there's immediate access to the context. Um, but the other thing is, I believe it's just so incredibly relevant in the space of facing the challenge of COVID-19 and the coronavirus. And, and so what we are looking at at the moment is, um, is going to be talking about the rhythms of life. We've looked at Jesus as our model reproducing Jesus, walking as he did. We've looked at the heart of grace, which is the substitution Jesus made on our behalf. And we've, we've looked at love that is the fruit of this. But now we're going to start talking about the shape of our lives, the rhythm of our life. So I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, in the middle of your Bibles, and it reads as follows. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes. He 
restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I forgot to say that alongside this series, and uh, available probably uh, soon, soon will be daily reading notes. We want to take some of this learning and stay with it during the week. And so probably on the PBC website might be a day or so late because believe me, this is coming hot out of the oven. One of the reasons we love this song is that it bridges the great divide. We sometimes feel that our everyday lives of pressure and needs and problems and opposition and clarity of purpose and direction and food and water and rest and loneliness and fear. There's just this divide between us and God, between what we're experiencing and who God is. And the Psalm shows without a shadow of doubt that he's not far away. He's woven into the fabric of life for those who will trust him. God is present with goodness and love, no matter what we face. In New Testament language, heaven is coming to earth in everyday ways. David, King David is using the picture of a Middle Eastern shepherd that is engaged in every aspect of the life of his flock and in every aspect of the life of each one of his sheep. And David, knowing the engagement that that takes, sees the connection between the Lord who is present in his own life. What is more is God is supremely present in the things that are routine. The things that are ordinary, the things that are so normal in the eating, the drinking, the resting, the walking, the facing, the challenge, the opposition, the problems, the danger, even the enemies. Now, the interesting thing is that throughout scripture, we find metaphors of spiritual life embedded in the rhythms and routines that God has embedded in creation. From breathing to sleep, from drinking to eating from exercise to productive work, our, our lives inside creation mirror life with God. And yes, the key thing, we understand it from creation, that routine repetition is needed. It's what keeps us alive. You stop breathing, you stop drinking, you stop eating. We're all gonna die. Oh dear. Oh dear. No, no, if you stop doing this stuff. <laughs> And the truth is spiritual disciplines, these habits of creation rhythms that mirror that which is in the spirit, they begin to show us and they develop to us what we uh, are able to do and mature in life. 
But unlike creation rhythms, spiritual rhythms must be chosen. It's almost like we can't help but breathe. We can't help but go after water. We can't help but seek food. But we have to understand our spirit to know that that's what we have to go after. Spiritual habits and disciplines need to be chosen. And they what Jesus embraced. So let's go back to the psalm. Jesus would have memorized the psalm. He would have known this psalm. And he calls himself as well the good shepherd. So when the Lord is my shepherd, the first thing is that I have everything I need. So last weekend, we genuinely <laughs> needed loo paper. And so Cindy set off to Howard Center, only to find in the different stores that the loo paper was empty in one and went across to the other, and the shelf there was equally empty. And so as she was going there, a lady actually stopped her and said, are you looking too?" and described her experience in the previous shop, where as she arrived at that spot, uh, someone was walking away with a trolley overflowing with multiple packs of loo paper. And when the lady said, please, could I have one? The response of the lady with all the paper said, no, I got your first and walked off. Sure. We could say many things to a story like that. But let me just say this. When you behave like that, you're not someone who trusts the shepherd. When, when Jesus is the shepherd, you'll have what you need. You'll have more than enough. You'll have enough to share. You'll have enough to give away. We can be kind and courageous and generous and servant-hearted because we trust the shepherd who provides all that we need. Make no mistake, this virus is a curse. But we can still be a blessing. Because we love. Because we trust the shepherd. And then it says, he makes me lie down. And the place that he chooses for that is important. It's green pastures where there's ample food for the flock. Right now, many of us are rightly concerned about the impact, especially on the vulnerable in our country, in our city. And I'm so grateful to Lorado's Hope, Beautiful Gate, um, other urban partners um, who are seeking to make sure that we have a way of responding directly. It's awesome also that uh, as we, how do we survive the social distancing, <laughs> staying home for the sake of others? Yeah, how does Cindy or Lizzie or Jono, how do we survive not just social distancing? How do we survive maybe in a few days' time or a few weeks' time lockdown or isolation? It's to let the Good Shepherd lead you to green pastures. Don't try and escape the moments in which you get to be alone. You'll just be more freaked out. I don't know if you remember the series from last year, the rest of your life. Maybe it's a good time if uh, you haven't watched Andrew's latest sermon and don't follow Bevan tonight, is that what you do is, this is a time in which rest seems so alien. We, we all thought that the idea of being able to be restful and be alone was just an impossible ideal. But here we are, just... A few months later, and the opportunity to be still 
to lie down in green pastures is before us. He leads us to still waters. He leads me to where there's always enough to drink. And the metaphor of drinking so often relates to worship, to prayer, to engaging meaningfully with God and letting his spirit come and fill you. I can trust him to lead me to still waters. And that doesn't mean that chaos and bad things won't happen. It just means that I don't let chaos and bad things lead me. You don't have to let chaos lead you. You don't have to let evil lead you. I already have someone who leads me. And he leads me beside still waters. I was praying about the effects, just being in my own story about possible isolation. You know, there's a possible, uh, a positive word to that description. It's called solitude. It's the gift of being alone with God. As I was praying, I got a picture of a cocoon in a storm fastened to a branch. And yes, the wind blew and threatened to detach it, but the cocoon stayed closed. The cocoon got wet, it got blown, it got shaken about, but the cocoon stayed intact. And if in this time, when you do have to slow down, when we all have to slow down, I think God is offering us something. You see, the cocoon won't kill you. And you can only go into a cocoon if there was some life beforehand. But after the cocoon, you can learn to fly. Let isolation, let the seeming loneliness do the right work in us. Because the next thing it says is not only do we learn to fly, but he refreshes and restores my soul. And a good question for us is, where are we trying to feed our hearts and our minds, our spirits, our souls from at a time like this? The temptation is to flick on the news and hope for some amazing good news. Or maybe just to switch on Netflix or climb into social media. And a good question to ask is, where do I turn? when I feel the need for peace, when I, when I want to genuinely laugh again. Where do I go when I want to escape rising anxiety? So my last 10 days have felt a bit like a guinea pig. Being in isolation before lockdown is even necessary. And for example, on Tuesday, <clears throat> I spent nine hours on WhatsApp alone dialing into five different meetings and an untold number of phone calls as we as a church leadership needed to <clears throat> come up with a response to the context created by this virus. And I quickly discovered that the danger of this time is to let technology and media take over completely. So can I give you some practical suggestions that can help him help you make sure that the Lord restores and refreshes your soul. Some things you can choose. Practical things is Bible before phone. Go and dust them out. Find a printed paper copy of your Bible. Buy one if you have to. Order it on a loot or take a lot. Get hold of one that does not is not tech driven. It's not going to take you back into that space. And then put that next to your bed. Met someone this holiday, um, he and his wife, their phones don't go into their bedroom. 
and between nine and seven in the morning, nine at night and seven in the morning, you're not going to get hold of them. Buy an alarm clock if that's what you tell yourself you're going to need it. But make a plan, turn off your phone, and then you'll remember when you wake up what you have prioritized because it's right there next to you. Another suggestion, and there are many that we could do. I'm just going to give you this one. Use postured prayer three times a day. Choose a posture that tells you that you're turning to God. If kneeling prayer does it for you, if standing with your hands raised does it for you, if, if sitting and putting your palms up is going to be of help to you. I don't actually even use the same posture, but I am making a point of postured prayer. My, my lunchtime posture is literally to lie flat on my back, cross my arms over my chest, and to say, may your unfailing love come to me, O God. And then I just give to God anything that's in that space that comes to me so that I can receive again from him. Why? Because I want him, even in the middle of my day, to restore, to refresh, to reset my soul. And you know what? Then he guides me in the right paths, good paths, for his name's sake. And it's out of these everyday rhythms of faith and life that we are led. Guidance, you know, when people don't listen, God speaks through donkeys. When a king wouldn't engage with God, God scratches on the wall. And when we're wanting that kind of thing, we're missing the point. Those kind of things are often given, not because we're listening, because we're not listening. Most times the Lord says, I will counsel you, watch over you. I will guide you with my loving eye on you. Guidance is an opportunity for God to lead you through conversation, through relationship, like Jesus did out of the rhythms of life. And the good shepherd, when Jesus is my shepherd, he keeps me safe. He comforts me, even though I walk through the darkest valley, through, through death's shadow valley. There are lots of people facing me. I will fear no evil. Evil has no power over those who choose to trust in the Lord. I will fear no evil. For you are with me. You who are good. You who are merciful. You who are gracious. You are relentlessly righteous and faithful and just. You are with me. And your shepherd's tools, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Yeah. And then David applies the metaphor and goes really personal. You prepare a table for me. And only recently did I get the correct image of this particular picture in this particular psalm, right? Somewhere, I mean, years and years ago, I heard someone kind of mention about how Jesus shared the Last Supper with Judas at the table. And somehow that stuck as the image that I'm, I'm sitting at a table, my enemies are eating food with me. And, and I know we meant at times to do what Jesus did, but that's not the picture of this table. The picture is of my enemies being kept at a distance. They're not competing at me with the table for my attention or for my food. My enemies are at a distance. And even if they, the, the enemy is plotting my downfall, I am sitting with the Lord 
And my enemies have to watch, and your enemies have to watch in frustration of their purposes and plans for you. As the Lord loves you, feeds you, restores you, provides for you. And the Lord brings us to a place where we feast on all the benefits of his love. And so we come to communion. We want to feast on the benefits of his love. And maybe the first thing we need to do is just start with confession. Tell God about the fear, the anger, the disappointment, the selfishness, the survival instincts. Confess them to him. For 1 Corinthians 11, 27 says this, if anyone eats the bread and drinks the cup, of our Lord irreverently. Well, we become part of the crowd that jeered on Jesus and spat on him at his death. Is that the kind of remembrance we want to be part of? No. Examine your motives. Test your heart. Come to this meal in holy awe. So take a moment just where you are. For if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for sending Jesus, your son, the good shepherd. Thank you that his perfect sacrifice made once for the sins of the whole world is sufficient. It's enough. And even for where we all are in different places, we say it's enough. This table has been prepared for me in the presence of my enemy who would accuse and slander and take me down. But I come to this table with fresh faith, with fresh hope, with fresh confidence. Thank you that it did not end with his death. Thank you that Jesus rose to new life and I'm called when I drink this to do this until he comes again, because he is alive. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's eat and drink together.
Thank you for your blood, Jesus. Thank you for your body. Jesus, we invite you to come. Open our eyes. Help us look for love. Help us look for goodness and mercy. You've promised it's going to follow us every day of our lives. Teach us the rhythms of life. Teach us during this time, especially, to walk through the darkest valley, knowing that you are with us, access all the riches of your love and grace. Thank you that the enemy cannot steal what you are determined to give. Amen.